Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Kevin Hamm, and this week I am joined by a good friend of mine, Marilyn Bennett, who, uh, while not 100% political... No. 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 She lives in Helena, so it's like 82% political. (laughs) (laughs) As political as I want to be political. Oh, that's true. And uh, and how political do you want to be, (laughs) ma'am? Just enough to where I don't worry. So that you don't have to punch people. Yeah, they don't have to punch people and no homicidal tendencies, things like that. Yeah, and let's be quite clear. Marilyn is nine feet four tall, and um, <laughs> she's like the She-Hulk, but with better hair. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> well, you have new hair. So I have new hair. You, you, you just went, it amazes me, all the stuff that you do, because you have your own business, and you do a lot of really, really cool stuff with that. And then you've been doing Truth and Progress for, what, four years now? No, just two. Just two? Two and a half. So much longer. It's, it does. It does. <laughs> two and a half years, and um, really, it was two thousand nine that you started. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, we've done a lot and wow, a little bit of time and a lot less money. Yeah. yeah, and then um, you went through cancer treatment this last year. Yep, bout of cancer. And and, um, and her hair has come back and it's delightful. She has no idea what to do with it. <laughs> I got it cut today. Really? It got long enough to cut. (laughs) You're like, yellow bag. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about um, some things that you've been involved with. Because obviously you've been involved in, like, the sidelines of politics that that approach, you know, uh, the things that you've been dealing with, both gay politics and health politics. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazingly enough, two of the things that are being discussed very heavily yeah. right now with the Republican National Convention. Yeah. And I, I can't believe we're living in 2012 and these are the issues that are coming up. <laughs> I mean, I really can't. It's crazy. I don't know where these people came from. The and South? I wish they would go back. The, the, the South. We fought to keep them. <laughs> Let's be it's honest. It's our own fault. I think it is. <laughs> You know, everybody's like, the South will rise again. You never got that far. You were like a flan in a cupboard. You were kind of, uh, uh, but, you know, Someone we left some you. of these people out. I mean, couldn't we get Florida back to Spain? <laughs> we could. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> just an idea. So, yeah, let's start with Truth, truth and Progress. You, you've been working on this for two years, and let's tell everybody what it is. Right. It is, uh, it's now moving into purely the documentary phase, but it's been a multimedia project using uh, having a web presence and filming and doing video research on the intersection of race, sexual orientation, gender identity, and religion. And really what that means is all those things get jumbled up together and we take for granted that any minority group is going to be for another minority group without ever really having any conversation about it. And we've had proof recently that that's not the case. Right, right. So really, um, my colleague, Gil Caldwell, who he calls us the odd couple because he's black, I'm white, he's straight, I'm lesbian. He's 78 and I'm something else. (laughs) And she's nine foot tall. (laughs) And I'm nine foot four. And (laughs) he's religious and I'm not religious anymore. So um, we met doing... What uh, religion were you? Well, Christian and in the Methodist flavor. And I wouldn't say that I'm non-religious. I'd say that uh, that I'm just very open very, I mean, it, with the roots I have in Christianity and having a Master of Divinity and having... Worked. you have a Master's of Divinity? I do. There's so many things about you I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the show where good. I'm doing interviews with my friends because I need to know what's actually going on because I'm clueless. <laughs> so I have, I'm really, my history is so steeped in the Methodist Church and in all of that, working for a seminary, working with all these alums all across the country, just having seen the national politics, the underbelly of the church. So I, I can't say any of that gets taken out of me. Hmm. Um, and and I like to say that it was the teachings of Jesus that took me more and more out of the church. because. Well, I wish the teachings of Jesus would lead other people out of the church. I believe he told people, you know, you should pray in private and actually in your life yeah. you should do good deeds. Right, right. Not go to the mega churches in Houston, Texas. Well, and, and I used to laugh that and I don't quote scripture, but there is one about where two or three are gathered, I'm there with you. Well, I take that as if two or three of you are gathered, I'm sure as hell going to be there because that's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Methodist. (laughs) And it's true so much, so much, you know, any, any religious faith, anything that's held so 
deeply to to people and it gets at the core and and just messy things can happen. Really good things can happen. The Middle East. The Middle East. And Alabama. And and Alabama, but... um, Did you see the new thing that happened this last week in Selma? No. There's a the city is paying for this statue to the original Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The city council is trying to do this. I'm like, um, I don't even know Alabama that well. I've been to Birmingham once. I think uh-huh. a beautiful city. Um, but I at least recognize Selma, and then had to look it up west of why I recognized it because I'm like, I yeah. haven't heard of this town much, but there's something there. I looked it up. Oh yeah, that's where a whole bunch of people were killed. Right. <laughs> it's like. Why would you have an? Ugh. Well, and and that's it's funny you should mention Selma because that Gill marched in Selma with King. Um, so the whole Selma to Montgomery marches. The first one was Sunday, and it was a, what came to be known as Bloody Sunday, where the marchers came over the bridge, and the sheriff and all the host of law enforcement people really it was bloody. It was people died. But it was one of the first times where television captured that. And so people all across the country saw it and saw how bad it was. So then um, white and black and, I mean, there was a lot of positive outrage, but people wanting to come and do something. So King put out a call for people to come to Selma, and that's when Gil went. So he was there on the Tuesday. Um, he flew from Boston, and on the plane was a Reverend Reeb, Unitarian pastor. And he comes into the story in a minute. But they, so they all showed up. King was actually there that day. He wasn't there on that Sunday. Um, King was there. They made a, uh, an agreement with the officials. They would go halfway across the bridge, say a prayer, and turn around. So it became known as Turnaround Tuesday. Um, finally, later, they did go across the bridge in Selma and on to Montgomery. And, but when we went back to, to Selma two summers ago, that was the first time Gil had been back in well, 43 it, years. Yeah, and, you know, when you've got all those, you know, it was a, it's a very historic place, but why would you want to go back and visit? Yeah. So Reeb, a Unitarian pastor, white pastor, he, uh, so they did the march as far as they were going to do. They, they broke up. He and some friends went and ate in a diner. When they came out of the diner, they took they turned the wrong direction. They thought they were going back to the chapel where all the marches gathered. They turned the wrong way, beaten up, and he later died of those injuries. Um, so, the, But the thing is, wherever there are horrible things happening, there are people fighting that, and we forget that. So here are these people in Selma. We, when we went back, we met these people that were there the same day that Gil was there. And it was, it was it's just astounding to see them, you know, kind of stand there in awe that they were standing in the place they had been 43 years before, didn't know each other, but they had shared that experience. Mm-hmm. And their tenacity and their fight and their courage and all of that, I mean, they're there in Selma, Alabama, along with these stupid people that want to erect a statue. Yeah, uh, well, that would be the city council, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, uh, and what's what kills me about that? You know, the sort of stuff. You know, I I have two minds on a lot of the stuff that we do with history. Like, I don't like the defacing of history that happens when we try to cleanse it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can't face the past and see it for both its beauty and its ugliness, yeah. you can't really learn from <clears> it. You know, so these people who look at um, like the Twain novels and want to remove the N word from it, and I won't use the word. It's the one year word that you will not hear come out of my mouth. <laughs> you'll hear everything else, and you'll probably hear it in church, but you will not hear that word. I just, I, I, I have that limit, and that's the one word that I won't use. I won't take it out of that stuff. Now, you would hear it if I had to do a twang play, and that was the line that he wrote. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I would use it, because that's to educate about that time in our history. Right. And if you can't face up to that, you can't fix the problems that we have today. That's absolutely right. That is right. absolutely right. And that's part of what Truth and Progress we don't shy away from those things. We go right into the thick of that, the horribleness. And because we have to talk about those things. We don't have to dwell on them, but we have to say, yes, Gil, my ancestors fought in the Civil War for the South. Mine did. And his, he says, not in any blaming way, but in the 
fucking reality of it all. Can I say that word? Absolutely. This has got nothing on us. The reality that um, those were ancestors. His grandfather was born into slavery. And Gil's last name comes from the slaveholders. So... So when we're talking to each other, those are the realities. And and having been a civil rights person and now he's a, a gay ally, we'll have these conversations where, one, we, we were saying, talking about the N-word. And then he said, well, what are the equivalents? I mean, is it butch, bull, die? I mean, <laughs> and then he said, Faggot. excuse my ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> what are the equivalents? Well, I don't know. I don't think there is anything that's equivalent because it's never like the word was used to delineate us. Well, it is, it's used more now to delineate us from the rest of society than it ever was before. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've kind of claimed ownership of it. You can't use it to denigrate someone else because we said, well, that's us. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so there's this weird, you know, we're in the transition of what the word really is. But I don't think there is an equivalent yeah. word for about anything else. I mean, even, you know, even the word slave isn't nearly as loaded as the N-word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then it's say. and it's tossed around, you know, and and more power to them. I I have nothing against the people who feel that they can use it. Um, I will not be silently silently judging you, um, because I can't shut the fuck up. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you're using the word and and it's legitimately a word that you're comfortable with, and you happen to be African American, I'm not going to argue with you. I, right, I think that's fine. Right, if you're white, however, there's a good chance I'm going to pop you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like faggot or, I mean, uh, um, there's a certain generation of of us homosexuals that really the word queer sets off post traumatic stress. I mean, it's it's just. See, and I love that word. I know, and so. And and I was one of the kids that uh, you know, as a kid, we played the game smear the queer. <laughs> but I was the bigger kid, so I was not being smeared so much as I was smearing others. <laughs> Oh, it's how it comes happens. around. Exactly. It's like smear the queer. Yeah, jump on me. See if I care. <laughs> Come on. Let's do it for <laughs> The game would have been much better. Um, they just didn't know how to play. Exactly. College, they did. But anyway, um, so yeah, so Truth and Progress is, uh, you've done a lot of stuff. You've been documenting uh, stories from different people, different sides of this, and you've been attacking this from the, from, it was interesting, you just used the term that, you know, he's part of the civil rights and now he's a gay marriage. I consider that still civil rights, Mm -hmm. you know, and obviously that's where that, the schism is coming from is that a lot of people, um, Martin Luther King's daughter being one of them, I don't know what happened to her, she was dropped apparently a couple times. (laughs) He was arrested, she was dropped. Uh, She um, is against gay rights. Yeah, um, but he has another daughter that is four. Well, she's not loud enough. We need to get her. Yeah, because um, in 2000, uh, at a United Methodist General Conference where Gil and I first met, we were arrested together. And How sweet. How Was sweet. <laughs> Mel White and Soulforce, um, he, he pulled in a lot of people, so one... One of the people that was there was a daughter, mm. and I don't remember her name. Also, Arun Gandhi, who's the grandson right. of the Gandhi, um, and some other civil rights people, well-known people who, of course, I can't remember their names right now, were part of the rally, not the rally, but this press conference before we then went and stood in the crosswalk and were arrested. And there was like 200 of us arrested that day, and then another... 25 the next for day. For being in a crosswalk? Have you driven in Helena? <laughs> well, what we did is we... We don't stand in crosswalks. We don't use crosswalks in <laughs> We actually town. just... We blocked the convention center. I mean, it was all worked out where the police knew what we were going to do. All right, we'll be here at this time. You bring your handcuffs. That sounds like a date in my world. <laughs> <laughs> well, this conversation going completely off the rails. That's pretty good. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> I, you yeah, so, the bring the chains. Yeah, so we, we, what was funny was the mayor's office, the police department, everybody knew this arrest was going to take place, and it's a peaceful demonstration, so you do all that work. But they didn't tell the people who would be processing everybody back at the station. That this was going to happen. No heads up, you got a lot of paperwork coming. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was the fingerprinting. So Hey, should we tell Rhonda? No. <laughs> So they had this whole thing set up in the parking garage of booking us and and doing most of the stuff. Um, 
And I was saying, can I get my picture taken with so-and-so? You know, they're like, no, you have to have the picture by yourself. So anyway, they did most of that. Then they took... It's not available online. (laughs) (laughs) They took... Like ten, we we rode in the first. I was in the first group that rode in the little police wagon, and they took us in, and we were in the holding cell, and they just didn't know what to do with this, and they didn't, they didn't know two hundred people were coming. Right. So Rhonda's on the phone going, "You couldn't tell <laughs> you me." You couldn't tell me. <laughs> so the really funny part was we were back there, and this young cadet, what I don't know, officer, looks at us, and he says, um, "You know, I don't know whether to put two or." how many to put in a cell? And my friend said, well, let me look. And he goes, okay. So <laughs> she goes back with him to the cell block. <laughs> and so, and oh, then he, seat sex. And she fun. comes back and he says, I feel like I'm arresting my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and so with our group, they did to take our possessions. They fingerprinted and they frisked us. But I think once they caught past 25, they just put, said, put them all in the same room. We'll deal with them. We'll deal How long with them. did you end up staying there? Oh, uh, just most of the day. I took a nap. I hadn't gotten any sleep. <laughs> and this, See, this what <laughs> kills me about this is that that's you know a civil protest. What exactly were you protesting? We were protest- protesting the United Methodist Church maintaining their policies against queers. Um, Which seems so odd because okay, the Methodist Church being one of the most progressive churches, it's not. It, and in fact, it's getting worse and worse. Um, the, there's a church here that's more progressive, but oh, nationally, yeah, this off of yeah this nationally and internationally, um, they're still holding church trials for people who, for gays who say, I'm a lesbian and I have a partner and I, you know, and I'm an ordained minister. Well, they, you can be brought up on trials. It's kind of a don't ask, don't tell. Um, Really, it is 2012. People look. The, here's yeah. the clue. We're I mean, just gay. last year there was. Yeah. And and if you believe in God, He put us here, <laughs> probably as a trial for you. Yeah. So so Ugh. yeah. So at this last general conference where they can change the policies, mm-hmm. they maintained every single one, and I and that's 40 years of that. I I thought I'd read somewhere that they. Didn't, but maybe I was reading something. Like no, it was really, really. It was, and see, ten years ago, I was standing there, and I watched the votes, and I watched my people get arrested and taken off. I was, I didn't get arrested the second time because I had to bail everybody up. But I'm watching this vote, and I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to change for twenty years. Maybe, maybe then. And, um, you know, just a little bit, a little bit. I just thought, okay, I don't need to be here and do this work. I need to be doing something else. Hmm. And um, so I moved to Montana. And didn't the, the, one, the first year here, I said, the closest I've come to being in politics is sitting naked with my state senator in the hot tub and her partner. Hmm. <laughs> no, well, it is Montana. And I don't know how you people hot tub, but that's how it's done. Um, so that's why I got out of politics. Religious politics. Well, religious politics seems really, really strange to me. See, I was I was pseudo raised Catholic. My grandparents were very Catholic. Um, my mom was raised Catholic. My dad, I don't know, he's raised in California. Screw it. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I remember going to the Catholic church with my grandparents. I you know, lots of times, but I never absorbed any of that stuff. Like it never really sank in. Like, mm-hmm. oh, did you want to be an altar boy? No. <laughs> Do you want to have anything to do with the church? Not really. Not really my thing. And then a couple other times I had friends that were religious growing up and they tried to get me involved in the church. And I remember going one time to, um, I think it was the Presbyterian church. And uh, <laughs> they gave me a Bible to read, but the Bible had like like the Bible verse, but then it had the translation to modern English explanation right beside it. And we were asked something in the class. They're like, and, and, you know, and they traveled so far and it was some odd measurement, like 2,500 steps or some weird thing. And they're like, how far is that? I'm like, it's two miles. It says it right here. Not realizing that that's not in everybody's Bible. (laughs) So I'm sure I looked like a dork, but I, I just, I don't get it. You know, the whole concept of religion has always kind of confounded me because I'm like, if you're a good person, you really don't need religion. And if you need religion, you're probably not a good person. <laughs> well, 
you know, yeah. I, I look at my friends that go to go to churches, and I have plenty of them that are actually good people. But I'm like, what is it that you're getting out of the church? Because I just don't get it. Yeah. You know, and and it's like, well, you know, it's a sense of community and other things. Do you know your neighbors? You know, <laughs> just walk outside and make a community. It's not that hard. Yeah. Get off Facebook. Well, there is a. I mean, I I do recognize spirituality in my life and spiritual experiences that are more than just a community. Are we talking about whiskey? (laughs) (laughs) Those spirits. Well, that's spirit. Whiskey, vodka. Whiskey, vodka. (laughs) I think the thing, the reason that church doesn't change and will always be the last thing is that by and large, people who like institutions and like order are drawn to the church or the military or any other thing that's very structured. And there, there can be a lot of free form in that and creating a community and shared values and all that. But the reason it doesn't change is because it's an institution and you can't turn a sh- huge sh- ship like that. I've got an iceberg. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I don't know that sinking is the same as turning, but yes. as long as it goes a different direction, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, religion and politics, they get mixed up a lot because people are, of course, very political and then they're very religious. And sometimes those things are in conflict. Um, we're having a lot of that right now. We're mm-hmm. having some very interesting conflicts that are going on. But yeah, the war on women is definitely a religious war on the civil right. rights right. of humans. In the country, and I don't understand, I don't get where it's coming from, I don't understand why it seems to be such a horrendous focus, and then you look at the numbers, there was a study that was just released earlier today, actually, that was showing that the Republican base doesn't even believe these things, doesn't, you know, yeah. the the big one is Todd Aiken's rape, or that Paul Ryan has supported these bills, oh and it's about... There's never, a, a, you know, in, even in the instances of rape, incest, and uh, will kill the mother, abortion is not legitimate. You know, to use the, oh the Aiken word. Yeah. Legitimate. Yeah. Um, I happen to think it's a medical concern and government shouldn't be involved at well, that level. Exactly. You know, make it accessible, make it safe, and use it when it's appropriate. And it's not going to be appropriate that often, but we have higher abortion rates in the U.S., than they do in Canada, and we don't have higher birth rates. Yeah. You know, we don't have a higher amount of pregnancy. We don't have a higher amount of rape, but we have a higher abortion rate, and it's because, you know, our health care sucks and people can't afford to have children. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, the, uh, the same thing is underlying issue of abortion, of um, sexual orientation, of end of life. It's all about having ownership of one's own body. Right. And not having government involved. But I, just the whole thing about women, well, the power of the uterus, actually, and I, I, to I'm, keep you I'm from being raped. I'm unfamiliar with the yeah. power of the uterus. Uh, <laughs> is it like a magnetic field? I don't know, but a uterus can allow you not to be raped. if you, Or, you know, uterus can kind of... Oh, this Nick's is a, this is rape. We can keep these sperm out. Is mm-hmm. that what this? Yeah. So I thought I I thought it was funny that he said it because I was like, what sort of an idiot are you? Mm-hmm. And then I realized that he had people that were actual doctors that were telling him this. Unbelievable. And every institution that issued a doctorate to those people should be under review. Yes. Should be under review. They should. They and should. And their medical licenses should be under review yeah. too. Because what are they telling their patients? And I and I I still cannot believe that this these people who, I mean they're at the level of women can't think for themselves can't think number one shouldn't be in leadership all these things is like where the fuck did you come from <laughs> and why are you still I mean again the sound. do you not have daughters well and that's you just know it, it, I mean and if you do have daughters and they're that dumb it's because you failed them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I was having an argument with my dear friend, Tim Ravendahl. And I say dear friend because I don't want to say fucking asshole. <laughs> um, but Have you seen his truck? The, no. Well, he, yes, I have. He has those plastic balls underneath. Uh-huh. I mean, they're yeah. testicles. Uh-huh. I don't understand that. Go ahead. Well, so at least somebody in his family has a pair. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um no, I was I was having an argument with him, conversation, and uh, got to the end of it, and I was done. He wasn't, but I was done, and I just looked at him, and, and this is the best line that I can say to any of these idiots. I am so sorry that the education system was so bad and it failed you so miserably. Yeah. But you're proof that we need to fund education. <laughs> 
And what did he say? Um, he just got pissed off and left. Yeah. Um, actually, no, he was really nice. And but it was that was the the nicest way I could say you're an idiot. But it's true. Uh, you know, these people that you know, they they're fighting against the basic structure of education because they don't want to face the issue. You know, sex ed was a big one here in Helena yeah. recently, and he was definitely on that side. And and another friend, you know, I grew up with her, Christy Allen Galushas. I grew up with her, and you know, she was a delightful kid. I don't know what's happened as an adult that's made her so unbelievably scared. Yeah. You know, and and she's like, well, I need to carry my nine millimeter when I'm at the Safeway. What? And yeah, because those tomatoes aren't. <laughs> Um, you know, those I, those checkers are going to ask one too many times about what you're doing with those apples. Or or paper or plastic. <laughs> <laughs> Stop questioning me. <laughs> um, exactly. So I because you know, I don't I don't understand where her fear and paranoia comes from. But I also don't understand why she thinks that teaching sex ed to her children is something that she wants to do. And like, if I was a parent, the last thing I want to do is talk about intercourse with my kid. I don't want to talk about it with my parents. I'm almost 40 years old. But I can tell you right now, I'm, I don't want to have to teach my children that. I don't want my sister to have to teach that to her daughter. Not because I think that she'd do a bad job. My sister's perfectly intelligent. Yeah. And she knows how they all work. She knows exactly what's going on and what you should do to protect yourself. She's gone through all of those things. I just don't think that that's the most comfortable conversation that you could ever have. And I think because of your discomfort, you're going to miss some things. Even though you know them, I don't think you'll pass them on well. It's like, why would you want to do that to yourself? But they're all blown up about this, the, the sex ed thing. And it's because they don't trust that the people are telling them, you know, it's not about, well, you can go and have sex with everybody in the world and you'll be fine. That's not what gets taught. It's science. It's exactly. an, not even science. It's anatomy. It's, it's biology. Yeah. It's, it, well, it's hard to get that wrong. I right. mean, they could, but... But you're not talking about the social structures of sex and interactions. You're talking about intercourse and what it is and what it does. And, you know, informing someone is the best way to keep them from being pregnant. And to, to keep your daughter from being pregnant is to tell her, one, not only how she gets pregnant, but what she can do to protect herself if she thinks she's going to be sexually active. Because people make stupid mistakes all the time. Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it happens. But... You can make better mistakes if you're educated. Yeah. So I, I just don't get it. And I look at all of these things that go on around with sex and politics and religion. And, uh, and yeah. they all kind of coalesce together right now. And, and I'm yeah. confused. Yeah. I'm confused as to why people want to have these arguments over and over again. It's like, you know, Roe v. Wade was, it's a privacy issue and it has nothing to do with the public good. Nothing to do yeah. with the public good. Mm -hmm. It has to do with that woman. It's her life. It's her body. Leave her alone. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's this whole, well, but you're taking away my rights. Rights aren't a zero-sum game. Yeah. Right? Right. I'm not losing my mind on that one. No, you're not losing your, right, your so, mind on that one. So that's, a, and that's, I think this is all just based on fear. And we're living in a society that's in love with its own fear. In love with fear and control. Well, yeah, fear is the easy, Which is fear is the easiest the way fear. to establish control, but it's also the hardest way to maintain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. So, so Truth in Progress, you're at the documentary phase. So We're at headed, the documentary. We're headed to New York. Right. We're going to film... Um, we're really trying to capture the history of queer equality movement. And Which, also you know, the time definitely of definitely a good place to do it. There's yeah, Stonewall Inn. There was Stonewall a Inn, there. And, and everybody um, thinks it was just drag queens, but we all know it was the little teenage hookers. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, was true. That the wrong word? <laughs> it was the bar boys. The sex that's workers. Um, it, but then in 1969, looking at was uh, segregation and what you know what was going on in New York City and, and race issues, and so looking at the whole huge history. Um, and then in the 80s and the AIDS epidemic and when that began and it was the gay cancer and so much that wasn't known and so much that galvanized the community and um, right and the, and the gay boys have a lot of uh, thinking they need to do with the lesbians because we couldn't get our act together yeah yeah and uh, most of the most of the AIDS protests and work that was done while there were definitely gay boys there. It was not organized by us. Mm -hmm. And the, the lesbians. And the caregiving, you too. people are like lists. <laughs> 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 not to be a sweeping general. <laughs> Holy crap, you people are organized compared to us. 
We're like, we'll bring glitter and markers and bring <laughs> paperboard and tell someone to be there. <laughs> we'll make, we'll look good. We, and we did. <laughs> I, if you look at it, what, it, it kind of cracks me up because I have looked at some footage of old riots and a lot of ph- photographs from then. And time has a great thing. And the Library of Congress actually has mm-hmm. some great photos. And it kind of cracks me up because we are the best dressed po- protesters ever. <laughs> and you can always tell when we were when we really knew what was going on because it looked like we prepped. It's like, mm, girl's wearing some makeup, got her hair done, looking good. Yeah. You know, but it, and it's I, I think it's very bizarre that we would be that dressed up for our protest. But there we were. <laughs> but there we were. So we'll capture that his part of our project is because Gil's seventy eight and I'm fifty. Oh, um, you know your age now. Yeah, you know my age now. I was four, living in Australia, when Gil was 31, marching in Selma. Mm. And so what we do visually is personify the histories. And what I know of the civil rights movement is largely through textbooks or remembering maybe the background of the TV. Um, When Gil and I were talking about going to New York, he was saying, no, I moved to this New York City, and I think it was 1969, but it was in November, and Stonewall happened in June. And so that's just one example of where we get these histories out and look at that. Because, one, we want to look at, really look at the histories. What were were the bad things going on? What were the good things going on? And show that civil rights movements aren't equivalent, but the experience of hate and the experience of discrimination is the same. And that's, that's where we cross stories and we can actually do some, you know, join for um, action to get some change accomplished because we can join together because there's some common ground. That's really what we're looking for is how do we, how do we find common ground between minority groups to work to make things better and have a more just society and ooh la la all that stuff well and as we're going forward and I think we're on the cusp of it I you know I have this theory Mm -hmm. you know bear with me as I try to articulate it because I'm a little loopy but the theory is that the more you hear about something it's because they're winning and we hear a lot about gay rights right now and obviously I'm sort of in it so I don't know how many how much other people hear about it until mm-hmm. I ask my friends and they're like oh no it's everywhere mm-hmm. um, and I think the reason that we do hear about it is because we're at the point that it's the it's the other side's last gasp mm-hmm. as they're trying to just not drown in the sands of time mm-hmm. you know way to mix your mes- metaphors <laughs> <laughs> Drowning in sand, um, but yeah, I, I honestly think that you know, Quick it's, sand. yeah, it's the last, it's the last gasp of these people that you know they're running out of things to hate. Mm-hmm. They've lost, you know, they technically have lost women, although they're managing to pull that one back up. They've technically, you know, they've lost race, although they still do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't have these talking points anymore because we've told them no, mm-hmm. and you know. The homos are the last thing that they've got to really hate on to focus yeah. on. It's, you well, know, Muslims, create another. Muslims and. Well, and see, Malcontent. I th- see, I think that Muslims, uh, it's going to be interesting because I, we've already stated that we don't like you discriminating on religion. And I'm seeing, well, we're seeing some definite discrimination on that. Um, it's tied into two things we've already said no to, religion and race. Yeah. And because we've said no to those so strongly, and we know how they can affect all of us, even the whites, mm, um, I don't think that that's long. I think that's it's a, it's a very weak argument, and it's going to fail much sooner than you think. Yeah, I you hope know? so. Because yeah. I, I think, I mean, just like the, the shooting at the Sikh temple. Right. Um, Why would you ever shoot Sikhs? I know. They're nice people. Yeah, I've never, I've never met one that was anything but polite and awesome. So, And I've met several. Um, I've met several in other every other religion and most other races that are awesome and some that are shitty. I mean, that's yeah, people. That's but people. that has nothing to do with the race or the religion. That's the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it like, really is it, it's someone's fundamental, a fundamentalist in no matter what religion that there's no room to think, there's no room to question, there's no room to, right. this to be is, open, this is the to consider other ideas. In. Yeah. So I'll go fly an airplane in or I'll shoot shoot people. I, I mean, there's just... And then you just add a lot of craziness. 
<laughs> Which we have an overabundance of. You know, I thought cr corn and wheat were our two largest crops, but here in Montana, pretty sure that uh, crazy and racism are three and four. So. <laughs> and nothing against, like, real crazy. I'm crazy, but... So there's my political correctness of... Oh, yeah. No, you know. I, there's, a, there's, a, there's some fundamental crazy that's out there. Hmm. Um, but I don't understand... I don't understand those people. I don't understand how you can be so rigid in your beliefs that you think that anybody else is out to get you. I mean, I look at the... the I think that's called paranoia. I think there's pills for that. Right. And just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't, aren't out to get you. But... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, Tim, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> um... So it's interesting. So you've been doing the, the Truth and Progress. Obviously, you've been touching on a lot of things that have happened all, all, all throughout the country. I know that you've yeah. been to uh, California. You went to Nebraska or something, didn't you? We didn't. We were in, well, we were in Minneapolis, and we that's, were, that's close enough. And um, we were in states. Dallas. Right. And um, we will go to San Francisco, and that's where we're really getting into the Prop 8 stuff and, um, and that part of the history. Yeah, and and so you've been doing that, but then there's some history that's being made here in Montana. We, of course, yes. have the ACLU case, uh -huh. um, which you know all the people that are in there, and I think I helped you film Yeah, because we're videos. following um, Marianne Guggenheim and Jan Donaldson. Right. And the case is Donaldson versus the state of Montana. And we followed them from the very beginning of when it was filed and through the district court hearing and the Supreme Court hearing. And, and when it, you know, the decision is made or released, then we'll interview now, has, them again. Has the Supreme Court released? No, they haven't. Yet? But they yeah. heard it last year, yes? Or March. Last spring? April. So. April. So they should be releasing it. They should, and they keep waiting for it. They keep pushing it back. They keep, but what we did, um, we did Well, they're not going to do it this week because Joe Mazark <laughs> just died, so they're going to be at a funeral. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he passed away today, which is very sad. I, I feel bad for him because he had Alzheimer's, and um, he had deteriorated oh, really, yeah. really quickly. You know, not to get off topic, he had deteriorated really quickly. And for somebody like him who had an extremely sharp and extremely bright mind mm -hmm. um, to get that disease was just horrifying. So, you know, I'm glad that that's over for him. I'm sad that he's gone, but, you know, I couldn't imagine. I can't imagine what it's like when my mind is gone, which is every day at 2, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, we did, so back to uh, Montana, we did a 10-day, 7-city, 1,300-mile tour last of September. Were you campaigning for office? <laughs> <laughs> we did it with the ACLU's Fair is Fair in Montana. Ah. So that's their education persuasion campaign. So it's separate from the lawsuit, but in support of the lawsuit. Cool. Um, that was very cool. It was very, very cool. So we had... In the cities, we'd have a public event, and Gil would be the keynote, and the, and the whole draw was to talk about the civil rights movement versus queer equality movement. Mm -hmm. Then he and I would do a Q&A, &A and then um, Nania Bear with the ACLU would then um, do her organizing bit. Mm -hmm. Then we would also meet in, uh, privately with clergy to do a strategy session. Mm -hmm. And to hear from them what what what's hard for them in taking a stand and being public and about domestic partnerships and are you finding clergy in the state is fairly supportive or are you running if, into some roadblocks? Um, well, the people we were talking to were pretty supportive. They had questions about if they're you know what would happen to their congregation if they speak up, um, if they really take on the issue, um, and. To me, again, we're called to take risks, so that's. But I'm risk tolerant, so you know. There you go. But I, but I. <laughs> she has her antibodies for risk. <laughs> Don't ever play the game with her because she, she sits in Papua New Guinea. And, <laughs> and I'm nine foot four. And nine foot four. I can reach. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was that was really really cool, and I had what, where things collided with I had just been diagnosed with cancer and I started chemo the day we started the tour so I did my chemo here in Helena and then got in a car and drove to Bozeman and then on to Billings where we met Gil and we started the tour while doing chemo well, I... Or did yeah. you just have one treatment and then you... One treatment. I, I say that just one treatment. They're putting, you know, chemicals that, you know, any of the rest of us touch, our skin falls off. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was the first treatment. And then I, I would... I'm sure that was... Do it fun. every two or three weeks. Mm. 
Yeah, it was really weird. And it was the first one, so I knew the crash wouldn't be as bad as the others. And But it was such a... Having those chemicals in me for the first time and just the weirdness of... I was just acutely aware of, okay, my legs feel drunk, but not the rest of me. And it... Weird. It, yeah, it was very, very weird. But on the trip, our videographer and production manager, Tanya, had a neck brace from her life-threatening car accident. <laughs> and then Gil got very sick. And Nania um, so you were, has you a nurse like background. The, you were like the four horsemen. <laughs> oh, my God. It was hilarious. But even with that, I mean, it was, it was just an incredible. It was really incredible. So. Well, that's good. And so you've collected all the stuff. You're putting together the documentary. I know you want to have this done as soon as possible. And you're you're heading to New York, and then you're heading to San Francisco. When's the date to have the? When's the goal? Mm, it's probably 2014. No, that's that's 2015. really close for what you're trying to get done. I know. Done. I'm, uh, I probably say it earlier than what our production manager would say. Well, Tanya, <laughs> <clears throat> I know the production. Manager. I know her very well. Um, yes, but I'll. I think I think that that's that's a ton of work that you guys are putting into it. Um, for anybody who's looking for this, Truth and Progress is at truthandprogress.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of videos up there. There's interviews. There's a ton of stuff. It's yeah. very interesting. And are you still accepting collaboration videos? Yeah, we yeah because yeah. we want to keep the conversation going. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you if you are so yeah moved, absolutely all means, get involved. And you're also looking for donations, obviously. We're looking for donations, big donations, donations especially for New York. I also want to say that um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu wrote something that was published on our website um, right really? after the Trayvon Martin shooting. Yeah. And Another moment of insanity in this country. Right. And so he's, uh, I've known his daughter for many years, and he was willing to make, one, he wanted to make the statement, and but he was willing to let us be the conduit to get that out. Oh, that's awesome. So his his statement's on our website. Cool. So we'll put links to that in the show notes. People, if you're looking for the show notes, you can go to politicticboom.com. Look for Marilyn's name. Uh, there's uh, obviously just a post, and we'll include all those links in there, if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I just post the episode. I'm like, ah, you can look it up, people. Google works just as well for you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your cancer, because this, is, mm-hmm. this talks in that, you know, I don't want to get into too much of the personal health issues, but how has it been facing cancer and knowing that healthcare, you know, reform happened but hasn't hit, and how does it change things, and, you know, how has it been? Well, uh, first of all, I, I, I was helped by so many people financially to, to take care of my bills, and uh, the hospital wrote off a lot. Um, and so I applied for financial assistance and all that. And, and I would get bills from the hospital and, and because I knew I didn't have the money to pay it. And because, you know, I just had to, was like, okay, this is absurd. It was, I had fun opening the bills. because It was like that cost, that one shot cost $5,000. This whole day was 20,000. That was to, to rebuild my white blood count white blood cells. So that's important. Well, yeah. You know, what, <laughs> so, are, what are those things you need? But. So, but, it, but I had insurance that would then say, okay, we're only going to pay you $2,500. But if someone didn't have insurance, that would have been $5,000 they would have been charged. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And it, so, you know, I look at it and yeah. I, I still think our entire system is crazy. Yeah. I would say uh, the cancer easily... You know, by the end of it, it'll be, you know, $200,000. I have insurance, though, and and I had high deductibles, but I was able to get help from the, from the hospital, which everyone can. And this hospital, if your gross income is less than what the hospital bills is, they will write that off. I mean, catastrophic, whatever. So, I mean, that, I... There's a lot of things said about St. Pete's, but I've I've had really good care, and they have really helped me. Um, I, as far as the healthcare thing, I, I mean, it's there. There are so many cancer is so <laughs> pervasive. Actually, there are so many people with cancer, and it's all the diagnosis. And I'm just amazed that the two doctors here can handle handle the load. Um, but to f- and I have a pretty 
positive outlook on life. And I saw cancer as a disruption, not something that was going to Right. Changed I, my life. I thought it was amazing because I remember getting the... I, I don't remember if it was a phone call or an email. No, it was an email. And I was like, oh, and by the way, I have breast cancer. By the way, nobody else put that as a P.S. She does. <laughs> P.S. I have breast cancer. End of message. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll call. <laughs> what exactly is... And, you know, you were very calm about it. I mean, yeah. I've seen other people that are talking about, you know, things... You know, cancers that have happened to other people and they aren't anywhere near as calm as you were. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, I just knew that 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 I would get through it. Um, I was on a plane once with this woman who hadn't flown on an airplane. She was scared to death, and she's like, "Do you think we're gonna die?" And I said, mm, "No, not today. This is not the day." <laughs> and that's how I felt about this. It's like, okay, am I gonna die? No. Is it gonna be a huge disruption? Yes. Is it gonna cost a lot of money? Yes. I know. I so the chemo brain had let me to forget what I was going to say a little while ago. Mm-hmm. But the number of people, our healthcare, situ- healthcare system, the, the most poignant picture of that is all the flyers around town for all the fundraisers, personal fundraisers for people that are sick or have had a car accident or, you know, they're everywhere. And oh, yeah. that's because people can't pay. And it says something about community, but it also says... This well, is it, crazy. It, it's one of the things that it's like if you just look at it from a purely numbers perspective, we spend more as our more of our GDP on healthcare than any other first world country by far. Every other first world country has socialized medicine. And it's like, you know, if we if we take it and we spend this money on the stuff that we need to do and we have professional care that includes preventative care mm-hmm. and does things like get us off our asses and makes us exercise, and this being from someone who, you know, very recently weighed 378 pounds and as of today does not. He weighs 298 pounds. Yay! Applause! Claps! <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, but it's taken a lot of work and it takes yeah. a lot of effort to do those things, but there's nobody doing that from a preventative, Mm-mm. um, health standpoint. We don't pay doctors to do that, which Mm-mm. is stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, if we just stop and we go, okay, healthcare is a basic right. And I have this argument with my parents all the time. They're like, it's not a basic right. I'm, it, it is mm-hmm. because, it, you know, in order for you to pursue happiness, which is the basic right that we put into everything that we're talking about in this country, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, life requires health. Liberty, <laughs> eh, it doesn't really require health, but it's good to have. The pursuit of happiness absolutely requires health because if you don't have health, I can guarantee you, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. You know, and this country's miserable. Yeah. If we went out for walks in our neighborhood and actually knew our neighbors, maybe instead of having a Coke, we'd have a nice tea with them. <laughs> Not a sweet tea, you <laughs> bastards in the South with seven pounds of sugar and one gallon of tea. You really have issues with the South, don't you? <clears throat> um, and I actually love them. I Every time I go there, I have the best time. I have the most fun with my relatives from the South. They, uh-huh. they are awesome people. But there's just parts of it that make me crazy. Yeah. Because I'm like, you are great people. Why are you hanging on to a past that, one, you weren't all that powerful, and then, two... Doesn't advance you and as a people. It's so ugly and so evil right. and the, so know, many the, things. All the people that hold up the Confederate flag, I'm like, you do realize that's a traitor's flag. Just FYI. <laughs> Thought I'd throw that out there in case you were wondering what exactly it was used for. Um, which they get all pissy with me when I say that, and then they realize I'm right, and then they're even more pissy. But it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and I don't know why, you know, the, the concept of the South will rise again is very, very strong in that part of my family. And they're like, well, you know, it's very important that we have our pride. It's like, yeah, but be proud of the good things that you've done, not the times when you were assholes. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be real. Be proud of the mint juleps, for Oh, instance. mint juleps are awesome. <laughs> they like, are. And if you've never had if you've never had a true mint julep, you have to go to the South and have one. I can't even make them because it requires that you muddle the mint just right and you add the right amount of sugar. So you add too much, it's too sweet, and you add too little, and it's just bleh. But it's so good. Yeah. They're awesome. See, there's a lot of good things about the South. Oh, there are. There are many. And you know, in, in many, many cases, they have good politics, too. There are just far many, mm-hmm. far more that <laughs> they have odd politics. So, yeah, I do have an issue with the South. But I have an issue with the East Coast, too, because while, like, the South is, you know, overtly racist, the, the East Coast is far more racist. They're just more covert about it. That's exactly what Gil would say. You know, which I think is, you know, and I, you know, my my whole take on everything is life is if you don't like me, at least have the guts to stand in my face and say me. Say mm-hmm. that you don't. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you have to talk about me behind my back, I'll find a nice set of silverware in my back. But 
I will have no respect for you. Yeah. You know, not that my respect particularly matters, I guess, to these people, but whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I just point out that you're too much of a wuss to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. I, I look at the West and I realize, you know, growing up here, and I've talked about, I talked about this last week with the Shahid, um, growing up in Montana, I really didn't have any races that we were against, or at least I thought I didn't. I thought it was pure and free of racism. Uh-huh. Um, and then I got out in the real world and realized that, no, we have racism and we're just as bad. But it, it was very focused on Native Americans. And I have to work really hard because we work with a lot of, I work with a ton of people from the tribal countries, or mm-hmm. tribal nations. And and they're very amazing people. And yes, their cultures are different, but I never had a problem with the Japanese. I didn't have a problem with the Mexicans. I don't know why I would ever have a problem with the tribal people, yeah. the tribal nations. And yet, there's a part of me that still remembers all the things that I was told as a kid, and I have to make sure that I'm not using those reactions right. when I'm dealing with these people. And it's difficult, and it's a lot of work, and you never get over it. Mm-hmm. So You can <clears throat> just push delete all you want. but they're, uh, Yeah, it's like pushing uh, rope. <laughs> <laughs> rope, it's easier to pull. <laughs> so, yeah, so what do you think about what's, you know, national politics, they've been having the war on women with abortion. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, not necessarily presidential election, but do you- well, I would, I would hope that, I mean, my greatest hope is that the, the women, most women, will just say, "What the fuck," you know, <laughs> and get out there and vote for Obama and and keep things going. I, um, there's so many things mixed up in this, and the fact that they would go on the war on women when, uh, you know, there's so many economy, health care, so many issues that, of course, they funnel that all back right and they have a but but um there's just a lot of issues and 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 we're in we i think obama took on an impossible job and you know he's doing what he can do and maybe not perfectly and i don't i don't want the job i don't know how to fix all that and you know that's fine with me um but the arrogance of I mean, I, I'm sure Republicans say the Democrats are arrogant, and I certainly hated George W. Bush as much as many of them hate Obama. Yeah, but your hate was based off of things that he did, not things that he is. Yeah, that's true. That's true, because I am a Texan, so it wasn't like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I lived in Texas for part of the Bush administration. I, now, people say, you know, where were you when such and such? Do you remember where you were when such and such happened? I remember where I was when Ann Richards lost to George W. for the governor. Really? <laughs> I was in Shreveport, Louisiana, having a bowl of gumbo, and I saw it on the TV. Oh, no. I was like, oh, my God, how are we going to live like this? And then, and then he, he became president. president. Yeah. Well, I, see, and I remember where I was when Prop 8 passed, because I was in California. Oh, yeah. And it was a nightmare. Yeah. A nightmare. Everybody yeah. was celebrating that Obama had won, and I'm sitting there going, "But we lost." Yeah, yeah, it's so crazy. And I, in in the national religious politics stuff, um, standing face to face with people who are creating all this havoc and creating laws against me personally, and and you know, just looking at them like it's the Maryland what, Bennett statue. What are, <laughs> what are you What are you thinking? You know, and they. I was just going back to the whole stabbing you in the back. I remember sitting next to this one guy in a debate, and he's one of these theologians that was um, one of their main spokespeople. And he was being all nice. And then later, after the debate or the panel was over, I heard him saying, well, gays just need to understand. And I thought, really? You're going to say that now? Gays just But you're not going to say that to me? Like, oh, you need to understand, Marilyn. You know, as long as he can get away and then do a general statement. Hmm. But I have found that um, addressing people head on and treating them like the human beings they are and trying to show whatever respect for just being a human being, um, that it really throws people off. And I went to, this is a good Gill story, um, we were, it was at this general conference in Cleveland where we were later arrested. But we went to this breakfast that the conservatives ran, and, and it was just ridiculous. We had seen this guy who headed up the, quote, ex-gay movement. And I had met uh, him months before, and I was nice to him. Do you remember his name? Jim Gentile. Uh. 
And he's, he's now since renounced it, hasn't he? Oh, I don't know. Mm. Need I'll to block him. Um, he, because I think conservatives treated him like a dog and pony show. Let's pull out this he guy. He was. And then, and then. He's the token. Yeah. And we don't mind this. Guy. I was nice to him. When we first, when we first met, he, you know, he was all nice. And then he said, you know, I'm just so happy I was saved from being gay. I'm married. I have children. I'm healthy. I don't have AIDS. And I just looked at him. I said, um, I need to reintroduce myself. And he looks at me and I go, I'm Marilyn and I am a healthy lesbian. <laughs> He said, "I'm the lesbian I can't, Bennett." I can't. And then he looked up at you, and you're nine foot four. Nine foot four. Him. <laughs> but he, he was like, "No, no, I'm not talking about you." And I said, "You absolutely you are." are. Yeah. But I didn't. It was just like, "Okay, we're going to be real here." So anyway, Gil saw that somehow we go to this breakfast. Jim ha- happens to be speaking. Does Gil just have like a natural? Oh, I see shit I can stir. Yes, tendency. <laughs> That's and why. He I do- like oh, to, totally. I met him, and, and he seems really, really cool. Now, oh, you know why. totally. And I, you know, and I'm sitting there when we were deciding to go to this breakfast. I'm like, and walking. One, it's you know, 6 a.m., and that's not my time. And I'm walking with Gil <laughs> over to this hotel, and I'm thinking, well, he's gone to a lot of stuff where he knew he was walking into a terrible situation. I can right. certainly do this, but he disappeared. Oh, so he Oh, we knew what we were going oh, okay. to. He disappeared. I don't know where he went. Jim came and got me and took me to the head table. Not the one. It wasn't facing out, but it was like the table. Uh-huh. Right up front. Yeah. VIP. And he then got up and told his story. And, and I'm just like, oh, my God, how did I? And it's funny because I'm like, okay, this, how did I get here? <laughs> and then all of a sudden he says, and I want to introduce my, my, new, my good friend, Marilyn... Bennett. And I'm, friend. <laughs> so, I'm just and you're thinking, like, there's somebody else with my name. I think this is so absurd, but funny, and what the hell? So I stand <sighs> up, and I'm like this lipstick lesbian queen wave, and <laughs> and I just like, this, this is so... I'm nine foot four. This is so, so crazy. But afterwards, I had so many people come up to me and thank me for coming, and 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 so I said, you know, you have more supporters than you know in this room. And another woman who I met in the early times, she was a lay person, one of the leaders. She said, I want to talk to you about my granddaughter sometime. So, so I had gone were, into the lion's den and it was... And you ended up being the ambassador from Queens. <laughs> I've done that many times in my life. It's, it was funny because when I accepted a position in uh, working for a company called ATX, it was in Caribou, Maine. And I was living in Phoenix at the time. There's a thriving gay community in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful people. And everybody was like, why are you moving to Maine? And why are you moving to northern Maine? I mean, I could understand Portland or Bar, yeah. Bar Harbor or something that would be like vacation town. But why are you moving there? I'm like, that's eh, a job. You know, and it's a town of 8,000. I was the gay community. <laughs> <laughs> they had to import it from Phoenix. Um, but it was interesting because, you know, I met a bunch of people, and they were, there was actually one guy that worked. like the Because I introduced myself, and I, and I was writing. You know, my job was writing for the marketing department. <laughs> and I introduced myself by, you know, doing this whole, you know, well, there I was one day. And it's it, it was a coming out story, but the punchline of the story was that I was a writer. <laughs> not that I was gay. <laughs> But this one guy, he read it, he had met me, and then he read that, and he thought it was completely inappropriate, because he's like, well, he's coming out to the entire people, da 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 And my boss read it, and my boss was, was the CEO, and he's the one who hired me, and he knew straight up, because I told him, I'm like, look, if you're going to have a problem with gays, don't hire me, because I am one. You know, I'm going to fight with you on that one. That's, he's like, no, I don't have a problem. And, uh, you know, so it, this went out on the internet, and everybody got it in their emails, and they all saw it, and this one guy freaks out, and he goes to the CEO, and the CEO looked, leaned over to him and said, if it's going to be a problem, you need to find a new job. Wow. You know, because, one, that isn't what the article was about, if you actually read it, instead of panicking and shitting your pants. And two, um, even if it was, it's okay. Yeah. You know, and actually I met, you know, a ton of really amazing people up there, and I think that was really the only instance where I was even close to a problem. And, and that particular person ended up, you know, he stayed at the company. He was fine. We worked with him plenty of times. I don't, I don't think I managed to change his mind mm-hmm. particularly, but I think in some ways I did. You know, I, I don't think he's nearly as um, vicious, viciously against the gays. Yeah. As he was. 
I don't know, and that comes from knowing them. Uh, exactly. And, and we don't have ambassadors. You know, people often wonder, you know, well, why do you live in Montana? I'm like, I live in my hometown. I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. You know, but, well, why are the gays there? I'm like, they're around. We're everywhere. Uh, yeah. I, I would like to point out, you may think that hairdresser is <laughs> straight, <laughs> but he's not. Yeah. Um, and we are everywhere. And, and I think, you know, coming out is important because... If people know us yeah. already as human beings and friends, then this one aspect of us is not threatening. Right, right. And right. it has to be more visibility leads to more visibility. Right. And we don't have and to more quality. Don't think that this means that you can't just be as wild and crazy as you are. Because mm-hmm. believe me, there are plenty of wild and crazy straight people. <laughs> well, that's right. They uh, tend to not use glitter. But, you know, <laughs> hey, that's fine. There are queer straight people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, you've got your New York trip coming up with Truth and Progress. Your cancer prognosis is good. It's good. No evidence of disease. We call that awesome. Ned. And my hair is coming back. So. And your hair is coming back. More evidence of no disease. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I'm assuming that you'll be involved with some minor politics and making sure the people are voting the right way. Come That's spot right. That's right. That. Yeah. Very cool. In the war on women. Anything else you want to tell people? Just go to truthandprogress.com, click on About, then click on Support Us. We have PayPal, and we really need the money. Yeah, great. It is a good cause. And remember, people, if you don't learn your history, you're bound to repeat it until you do. <laughs> <clears throat> it's the universe. That's what they make you do. Anyway, okay, so thank you for listening to the show. Uh, again, Marilyn Bennett, are you on Twitter? I uh, yeah, oh, you are? Truth and Progress. Okay, Truth and Progress. And then the Truth and Progress website and there's a Facebook, Facebook page yep. as well. We'll put links to all of those in so that you can find them. Thank you very much for joining us once again and have a good week. <laughs> <laughs>